everyone, Brian Beeler. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining. We've got a conversation today with a key component supplier in the storage business, in addition to other things that I'm probably forgetting, but you know them from the Broadcom raid cards and, and all sorts of little tiny componentry that's on a ton of drives out there and other systems um, that has an important uh, part of the overall ecosystem. And Broadcom has uh, some interesting thoughts on hard drives, the future of storage, and wanted to bring him in today to, uh, to, to learn a little bit more about that. Rick, thanks for coming in with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I characterized you as a, as a raid card company and a supplier of little bits of hard drives. I'm, I know you do a little more than that, but uh, tell us from your perspective, what, what part of the world do you interact with? Yeah, so our division is, uh, we call it DCSG or the Data Center, Data Center Solutions Group. And we have responsibility for, you know, so it's, it's an amalgamation of all these different pieces, right? It's the LSI RAID piece where we have our RAID cards and our HBAs and SAS expanders. Um, and then we took on the PLX acquisition. So we have PCI switches. Um, and then recently we took on Ethernet NICs. So we have quite a broad portfolio, mainly uh, focused on the data center itself. So what, um, just for Broadcom's vision then, what, how do you communicate that? What's the higher level messaging? What's your view on the world? What do you guys want to be or, or want to be perceived as, I suppose? Uh, th that's a good one. Um, I, you know, it, from my opinion, it would be servicing the connectivity in the data center and the okay. data centers used fairly loosely it could it would include in this case the storage oems and the server oems along with you know the true data center okay so let let's start working through that a little bit because you guys were talking um a couple of weeks back about what some of the future looking trends are that that you guys see in the data center and one of them's around hard drive storage so i want to get into that specifically because it's something we get hit on every time we post a video or talk about. We just did a whole series on the um, WD Gold 22 terabyte hard drives. Pretty cool. They're fast. Uh, we're, we're testing uh, uh, eight of the SATA drives and, and having a pretty good go of it. But every time we do that, we get a bunch of people in the comments saying, oh, you know, hard drives are old, old technology, dying technology, hard drives suck, flash is king, whatever. And, you know, I, I understand a lot of those are client uh, end users, consumers that don't really understand storage at scale, which is fine. Um, but you guys have uh, good visibility into the hard drive space and, and you've got some, some thoughts about longevity there and what, what that looks like for capacity, arc, not quite well, maybe archive tape is, is a play there too, but uh, active archive type, type tier. So what, what's the, the position there and, and how are you guys thinking about hard drives? Be, to be clear, right, we see flash as a very important part of the storage ecosystem, um, growing rapidly, very important. Um, so not to discount that at all, but, but at the same time, the relevance of you know, hard disk drives, especially in the hyperscale and modern hyperscale architectures is, is huge and it's growing. Right. I mean, a data point I like to call out is last and this this came from trend focus uh, data um, last year, 2021, about 90 percent of all the storage shipped into the hyperscales were uh, was rotational. Right. So there is a there's a huge need for rotational resources, um, all driven by the dollar per gigabyte, you know, dollar per terabyte. Mm -hmm. Pick your metric. 
um, all driven by that, um, there's a huge, huge increase in capacity and capacity demand in the hyperscales. And, and in, you know, we feel that it's important that the eco, the broader storage ecosystem still is investing in that. And there's plenty to be done to enhance, you know, enhance the needs of the data center. Well, yeah, I mean, the hyperscalers for sure, there just is no substitute for the responsiveness equation and the capacity per, per dollar. I mean, there's just no other answer there. And, you know, tape is still a play, of course, in some of the colder data uh, tiers. So every time I, I hear people complain about hard drives, I say, well, let me blow your mind. They're still selling a ton of tape into the hyperscalers right. too. And you like that super cheap, deep storage? What do you think that runs on? It's not SSDs, I assure you. Right, and what's interesting is it's that tier above the cold, you know, or the archival tier that is growing so rapidly within the hyperscalers, right? That warm tier um, that, you know, some people call it a warm tier, some people call it transactional tier, right? With the advent of, you know, video, massive amounts of video, whether it's from social media, surveillance, um, online shopping, right? It's, you know, it's very, very important. And then you combine that with analytics, and the data's got to be warm. It can't, you know, it's it's got to be there. It's got to, you know, it's got to be ready to be worked with. Um, and so that's, the, you know, that's what's driving, you know, the need for HDDs in the hyperscale. So let's go one step further then. If we know anything about hyperscalers, OCP is coming up in whatever, three weeks as we sit here and record this on the, on the 20, I can't, gosh, without my glasses, 23rd, I think. 23rd. Uh, but, but we've got OCP coming up. And I love the OCP show and haven't been in a couple of years, but I love it because for my money, it's the best visualization of what's going to happen in the enterprise in four or five years. And we've seen that come true with things like M.2 SSDs when, when Facebook was showing those off six or seven years ago on these crazy sleds that they were doing. Um, you know, that became part of, of the way systems were booted and, and used in the enterprise. Mm -hmm. and, all sorts of innovations around every server now has the OCP card slot and and that NIC is is become somewhat ubiquitous or that NIC slot and so much more uh, liquid cooling and, and many other things. So I love that show because it starts to show you a lot of what's coming and and the hyperscalers are driving that uh, intentionally or otherwise because everyone else in the supply chain that's manufacturing for them wants to have you know some processes in place and, and not make 87 varieties of every server or, or, or card they produce. So that said, you know, hard drives are the number one seller into the hyperscalers, but let's get specific on interface. What, is, what does that mean in terms of what you're seeing there? Is it SATA? Is it SAS? Can we get off of one of those two? And after you answer that, talk to me about NVMe because we, we've seen some science projects at OCP around NVMe hard drives. So cover off on on uh, on interface what does it mean yeah so you know we'll start with sas and sata <laughs> right now the you know the the cost per capacity uh provided by sata uh, sata nearline drives you know is, is very difficult to compete with right there's some distinct advantages with going with sas um dual ported um you know q depth so there there, there are a number of different things um, but at the end of the day, it's going to be, you know, SATA and airline drives um, are going to be, are going to be the, the platform of choice. Now, and what about NVMe? Because I know that's crazy in hard drives, but there's an argument to be made that it simplifies architecture design. But what do you think? 
So it does, and this is a big emphasis. That, that, you know, there's a big effort going on within OCP right now. There's a subgroup that uh, is focused on NVMe HDDs, and you know, on the surface, I agree that the value proposition does seem compelling um, from a software perspective. Uh, the the problem comes in the scalability, right? When you're trying to compare it to architecture, you know, similar architectures, whether you know it's four four U nineties. You know, how, how do you how do you how do you construct that type of topology with NVMe HDDs? It is possible, but then you know, then it, it from a cost perspective, it's not it's not uh, it's not competitive with a, a true SaaS topology with SATA drives. Hmm. And what about you guys? Have an interesting since you're in the market, but you're not a drive manufacturer. You've got some interesting uh, opinions and visibility into the space. I think. What do you think then about multi-actuator and does that do anything from the interface perspective that, that changes the game at all? Yeah, so, um, you know, multi-actuator is a hot topic right now. Um, dual actuator drives are out there, um, you know, being tested and um, in limited production. Um, and it is it does address a very specific need um, that the hyperscalers are, are dealing with right now. And that's the IOPS per terabyte metric. Um, as these okay. drives get so big, and that pipe, you know, being limited, you know, by that that one actuator um, is being limited to, you know, a, a, a very small amount, right? You have the, you have islands of storage, and some of it then can become stranded uh, behind these small pipes. And so, adding another actuator and dual actuator um, effectively nearly doubles, um, you know, the bandwidth of that drive. And so that is that is compelling. And SAS, SAS handles that very well, right? With multiple LUNs, you map an actuator to a LUN and, and, it, and it's just done. It gets a little more complicated with SATA. SATA doesn't have the notion of multiple LUNs. And so um, T10 has done, and T13 have done some work to be able to um, try to account for that. Um, and so SATA dual actuator drives are actually being tested right now as well. One thing that is, is you know, being watched very carefully is you know two things actually is the power of the drives right the second actuator adds power to the drive so the 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 hyperscalers will have um, a metric of power per slot power per terabyte i mean it's you know it varies but you know, there's going to be some some sort of metric like that and they will suffer um with the extra power associated with that second actuator and early dual actuator drives um you have to remove a platter to be able to accommodate the extra mechanicals. So right. you're going down in capacity and you're going up in power. Now, that, that's still to be seen. The drive vendors are working very hard on that. Um, and I think it, it, it is overcomable, um, but you know, it is something that needs to be watched very carefully. Right, so for people that don't follow the, the dual actuator space, I mean, you're essentially getting two hard drives you know, squished into one in terms of the, the bandwidth you can get out because you've got both actuators that can both do whatever it is, 265 megasecond or, or some, some number, right? And in an aggregate, then you're looking at five, I don't know, 50, 60, whatever, whatever that is, right? Yep. So the potential is really neat there. The capacity is a challenge, but the hyperscalers, you know, don't have the same metrics of, of capacity and performance that uh, an enterprise does. So you know, it'll be a bit curious to see if dual actuator can can move past the the hyperscaler, or if there's a need for that. Do you see 
what do you see for dual actuator in, in the enterprises? Do you, do you see interest in that? Interest, yes. Um, a, a lot of the server and storage OEMs are, are looking at them very carefully. Um, I think it's still too early to, you know, to tell how they're going to be deployed in a true enterprise environment. What about form factor? Because the hard drive, you know, aside from the two and a half inch hard drives pretty much going away at this point, has been that same three and a half inch form factor for a very long time. Is there energy within OCP or other places to look at some other shape? I mean, there's no reason why they need to maintain that size. If, if the hyperscalers combine enough volume, they can change the game, right? Yeah. This is a this is a hard one because of the mechanical, right? I mean, SSDs have, you know, have the advantage where it's it's all solid state, so you can lay out the board differently, and mm -hmm. you could do, you can do all sorts of different geometries, and you're seeing that with all the EDSFF. Oh yeah, uh, the long rulers. Right? Those dudes are <laughs> you right, long, E1, right? right yeah. E1, E3, right? All the different versions. Um, rotational drives, right? Now you have round platters, you have actuators, um, so you have some some fundamental constraints there. Um, the one thing that is being investigated right now are, I call them thicker drives. Um, mm -hmm. Some people call them, you know, one inch drives. And what that means is it's still a three and a half inch form factor. Don't get, don't get confused on that, but it's just thicker. It would be more platters. So instead so of a, a higher Z height then basically. Yeah, correct. That's why I call them thicker instead of, you know, giving it a one inch number because that just gets confusing. Um, so the, yeah, so they'll have, you know, upwards of 20 platters. Now, right, there are a couple problems with that. One is, you know, you know, a standard rack won't handle that, right? I mean, so you're, you're talking about new enclosures, new gear, yeah. you know, from the ground up. Um, the second one is that it starts at that problem of, you know, of IOPS per terabyte, you know, these capacity problems, um, which are growing anyway with aerial and density improvements, but it takes that, it takes that problem of putting now twice as much capacity in a three and a half inch form factor. Um, and how do you deal with that? Um, you know, is the pipe wide enough? And what happens when a, a disc, uh, you know, platter fails, you know, things like that. Yeah, well, you, you do get to some resiliency questions and, and how much of that drive can you start to fail before you fail the entire drive, right? Uh, right. Then you've got, you know, rehydrating that drive and you know, filling it back. I mean, there's a lot of, there are a lot of challenges there. It's interesting though, just to see how the hyperscalers are, I mean, that's their special sauce, right? Is, is hardware management. So there's not as much of that that's transparent to the rest of the world, uh, but some of the hardware decisions are, and then from that you can try to you know, infer some things. But uh, what, what else in hard drive technology? I mean, we've talked interface size and uh, how about SMR? What, what's, what's going on with with shingles, what are you seeing there? I mean, obviously hyperscalers can adopt those easier than enterprise because they can modify their software. That's one of the biggest tricks with SMR. Uh, what, do you, what are you seeing there? WD's shown off 26 terabyte SMR right. drives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so SMR, shingled magnetic recording, it's a very interesting technology and it's, it, its main purpose is to improve the aerial density, right? Taking tracks instead of leaving small gaps between the tracks, the read and write tracks, then you start overlapping them. Mm -hmm. And so it sounds great. You're improving the aerial density and that's all good, but it comes at a cost. 
and it's it's on the it's on the rights. Um, the rights all have to be sequential, um, and the tracks are laid out in zones, and the zones all have to be managed. And so, to your point, it's an excellent technology for someone who owns their own OS, their own applications, right? Is is owns their own data center, right? And that's that's kind of the the signature of a of a modern hyperscaler. Um, in contrast to a, a server OEM, right? A server OEM has to has to be able to support numerous OSs and who knows how many applications, and so it's it's not sustainable. Um, and but in in that in that sense, um, you can get aerial density gains, and so for the same drive, you can actually you know get more capacity. How much more? Um, that's debatable. Um, it depends on a number of different variables and often often vendor specific. Yeah, I mean, I remember, I can't remember if it was WD or, or Seagate put out a branded product for, for client systems and uh, slipped in or accidented in an SMR drive and people found out real quick that bought those, you know, not knowing about SMR that uh, throwing that on a Windows system and using it as your, your you know, local share is, uh, can be suboptimal if depending on how you're you're interacting with the drive but you know the hyperscalers don't suffer from that they can they can tune their software which which makes all the difference the uh, right. the other technologies uh, hammer and mammer and all these other things have been extraordinarily slow to come to market do you see those hampering i mean i know you guys are very bullish on hard drives for the hyperscalers but if we can't increase capacity at some speed does that matter that much? Yes, yes. So we, the storage ecosystem has, you know, we have to keep increasing the capacities of these drives. Um, if that, if that, if that innovation, if that um, metric stops or slows down dramatically, um, you know, the, the SSDs, you know, they're, they're making big investments in the SSDs. You're seeing QLC architectures um, coming on. You know, you know, there will be something that then, you know, they get the dollars per gigabyte, you know, in line with with HDDs. So the thing that the thing that protects the HDDs is that, you know, continue continual evolution of capacities. And, you know, I see technologies like SMR as baby steps in that, you know, it's, it's enough to keep it, but it just barely, right? Small incremental steps. It will be, you know, innovative technology or uh, recording technologies like Hammer that are going to take it to the next level. Um, and, you know, you, you mentioned it's, you know, Hammer and some of these uh, advanced recording technologies have been, you know, in the works for a while. Um, but I, you know, in theory, they are they are starting to come to fruition. Some of the drive vendors are being very aggressive on, you know, marketing it and, you know, roadmaps, et cetera. Um, and so we're expecting to see Hammer um, play a role in capacities of HDDs, you know, within the next two to three years. And it will be a big, it will be, be a good step function, right? Instead of, um, you know, drives in the 20, you know, low 20 terabyte range, you know, it's going to bump it, bump it up, you know, into the 30s. Well, that that there is is the game changer, right? Because you talked about uh, QLC flash drives, and we're doing a ton of work with the uh, Solidime 5316s, the former Intel part. Mm -hmm. And we've got a, a server upstairs with 24 30.72 terabyte drives. So we're looking at three, roughly three quarters of a petabyte raw into you, which is like 
it's just crazy thinking about that three or four years ago that, you know, just saying something like right. that, just, you would sound like a crazy person. And in the cost of that part, just retail one drive for this conversation, say it's 4,500 for that flash drive and a 22 terabyte uh, WD gold is around 600 or 550, whatever. So you're still paying an uh, eight and a half, nine and a half X premium for the flash just on a, on a capacity basis. But, with software, if we can dedupe, if we can compress, if we can do other smart data things, that math changes pretty quick depending on what's being stored. So you talked about media files, but I mean the hyperscalers are really good at, at this and being efficient with data placement. Um, if you can get three, four, five x compression dedupe uh, on on these drives, the it's not parity, but it's getting close, especially when you start to think about the operational benefits of power and heating and all those other things. Right. The, you know, the consensus is around 3x. So once mm -hmm. once um, that dollar per gigabyte metric gets within 3x between SSDs and HDDs, that's when that's when the hyperscalers are going to start, you know, seriously considering, you know, flash and SAT, SSDs for this warmer tier. Well, yeah, I mean, Solidime's talked about PLC NAND now too, so five-layer cell, and, and who yeah, knows right. what that will look like. Right? So far, it's it's been uh, very experimental, and they've shown a couple demos, and, and there's definitely potential there, and they're really the only ones talking about it. Surely Samsung uh, is working on it as well. Um, but QLC's been tricky. I, I think before we walk all the way past it, I mean, that, that is not easy, and Solidime and Intel before are the only ones that have really shipped a lot of that and, and done well there. I mean, there's all sorts of challenges around these flash technologies as you try to jam more, you know, electrons into these things, right? It's, yep. it's not trivial, is it? It's not, right? And, and so I, you know, I always, I always find myself, you know, rereading something when somebody says you know they they just say oh yeah qlc and they just they don't talk about the complications associated with it they you know on the on, same on the hdd side you know they say you know about smr but they don't mm -hmm. talk about you know the complications associated with it you know these technologies are very difficult and it doesn't matter hdd ssd i mean we're we're at the point where we're solving really really hard problems right now and so when you when you find a technology you know, pick it, QLC, SMR, you know, it, it, it's not going to be for free. It's not, it's not like you just thought up of something new and it's, and it's going to be all for free, right? There's, there's always, there's always other pieces to it. Um, other complications, whether it's, you know, manufacturing, whether it's power, uh, you know, it's, it's a very, it's a very complex industry. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you about that. It'll be an interesting pivot to the uh, adapter side of the business. I mean, everyone knows uh, you talked about LSI RAID cards, but they were ubiquitous as the primary way to aggregate storage for you know, decades, really. Um, the, the math has changed a little bit, some of it because of things like these QLC drives, and you talked about the challenges really what you're referring to are how they want to be written to, right? So QLC is fantastic for read, similar to SMR uh, hard drives, but needs to be written to in an organized way and in a block size that the drive wants to receive to, to be efficient and, uh, and, and, and manage write amplification. 
those behaviors, in addition to some of the other NVMe speed challenges, have, have led to this whole new series of accelerators. Guys like um, PlyOps is one, Grade is another. There's a bunch of them that are that are FPGAs or ASICs that want to sit, even DPUs now too, that want to sit on the PCIe bus and do that drive management, thereby you know, effectively becoming the RAID card. With the, the background that you guys have in, in storage, I'm curious what your view is on, on that part of uh, uh, the, the drive aggregation space and drive management and kind of what that looks like to you guys. We, you know, we love to see innovation in the space. Um, you know, keep everybody, you know, thinking and, you know, thinking about, you know, the end game, then, you know, the next step. So um, technologies, you know, that we're seeing coming out, you know, you know, we love, we love to see it. Now, you know, again, any, anytime you solve one of these problems, right, there, there are other, you know, other associated issues with it. And, and that's what we're seeing a lot with, with these technologies is, is they're in their infancy. Um, you know, some of them, some of them will, you know, some pieces of the technology will, will, you know, make it to the mainstream. Others, you know, will be a, a learning, a learning experience, but, but in, inevitably. <laughs> Is right, that what you call 50 billion into a startup that goes under? <laughs> uh, you gotta be careful. Um, but, but it's good to see, you know, you know, thought leadership in these areas, right. And, and different ways, different ways to do it. Um, you know, so I, can I say one's gonna, you know, win over the other? No, no. I just, I just like to see the competition. I like to see people, you know, thinking outside the box, if you will. Well, what do you guys have to do then to remain? This is gonna sound like harsh, but to remain relevant, then you know, because people aren't. Yeah, it's it's rare to see someone just throwing eight drives on a on a raid card and being done with it. I mean, I'm, it's still happening, and it's definitely happening. Uh, in the SMB quite a bit as a file server, whatever. Um, but now to get performance out of these drives, we're seeing so many people with these, you know, Linux systems or sort of kludgy software RAID or other, other alternate ways of, of going about drive aggregation. You know, from the RAID card perspective, with all of this innovation and changes, especially with NVMe storage, how, how does the RAID card have to evolve to stay relevant with these uh, more modern architectures? Yeah, that that's a that's a good one. You know, remember that traditional RAID architectures, you know, assume HDDs, right? We're leveraging seek times and you know other general attributes of a drive to do different functions, and 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 that's all changing, right? With SSDs, whether it's NVMe SSDs, um, it's it's very 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 different, and the RAID architecture has to fundamentally change. Right. And, and that's, and that's what we're, that's, what's happening. You, that, that's what, you know, we're seeing within our own organization um, and it's investments in that RAID architecture to address things like RAID 5 performance, um, rebuild performance, things like that. And, and it is doable, especially with modern technology. Um, you know, instead of using traditional memory architectures, maybe different memory architectures to, to solve different bottlenecks. Um, so, so yet, if you just if you just rely on your old-fashioned RAID architecture, you know that's that, that's that's not going to get you much farther. So it sounds like you're. I mean, obviously, you guys are always working on things, but you're actively looking to innovate in this space. And and I mean, I know you're not announcing anything today, but but uh, stuff is coming. I I, I take it yes. is is the intimation. Uh, uh, 
absolutely. We still think data protection is a is a very very important piece of of the overall storage ecosystem, and we're investing in that. What does what does Broadcom want to do in that space? Really maintain the the hardware engines that you have in place, or do you explore? And I know you can only talk about so much of this stuff that's not public, but do you explore alternative methodologies, erasure coding, or or other software engines or other things that that might be more appropriate for drives and and certain capacity points? I'm just sort of curious. You know, you were talking a little bit about RAID, and that's definitely the the standard. Um, you know, one or six or ten or whatever. Um, but is there more past RAID in your vision? Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I was very careful when I said data protection. We think data protection okay. is is very important. Um, RAID is a type of data protection, um, and you know, to to just put on the blinders and say, you know, that's that's the way it's going to be forever. Right, you have to be careful with that mentality. So, so we're looking, we're looking at, you know, data protection holistically. Okay. Um, so, yes, there's a big focus on RAID, but you know, we have to be looking at other other alternatives as well. So we we sort of glanced past it, but DPUs are becoming you know, more and more popular at this past VMware Explore. Uh, VMware really opened up uh, vSphere and vSAN to to leverage DPUs from HPE, Pensado, and uh, I almost said Mellanox, but uh, NVIDIA, Bluefield. So there's some interesting innovations there, some opportunity in terms, in terms of storage management. Uh, what, what do you guys think about the DPU space? Is that uh, something that's interesting to you? It's new, and we're, you know, we're watching it carefully. Okay. Um, I'll, leave, I'll leave it there. <laughs> okay, so that I'll put that one in your basket of of startups to to monitor. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair though, I mean, Broadcom's a big company, and if you're going to go to market with something, you need to feel reasonably sure that there's a a certain amount of margin and volume distribution to make that thing work. I, I guess is the the economic reality of it, right? Right. Yeah. No, it comes down to a business model, um, and and everything will be vetted based on that. The um, another new technology, CXL, about to, in the next few weeks, hopefully, you know, maybe, uh, be generally available as as uh, server vendors and, and chip vendors you know, make announcements. Um, what? How does that impact your business, or, or how do you see CXL impacting storage? Yes, CXL is a hot topic, right? If you were at Flash Memory Summit, I mean, you couldn't you couldn't go very far without you know, being in a conversation about CXL, um, it's a, it, you know, it's a, it's a very emerging topic from a storage perspective, you know, it's not clear what role CXL will ultimately play in pure store in pure storage, right? The mm -hmm. pure storage, um, ecosystem, um, it's going to be very important in memory and, you know, in, you know, CPU, GPU connectivity, but from a, you know, pure storage perspective, um, still, still to be seen, you know, what role it will play. Um, then, uh, yeah, uh, you know, we're, and again, it's another technology we're watching very carefully. We are intercepting it with our PCI switches, um, but, but for our traditional storage adapters, we're still, we're still watching it carefully. The other thing you talked about too, was a little bit of, of networking and, and fabric. What, uh, what do you guys see going on over there? That's interesting. Ether, Ethernet is, Ethernet is a is a very very innovative uh, sector right now. 
Um, you know, we play with the Ethernet NICs, um, and you know, there's a lot of innovation happening there, um, especially with within the hyperscalers, right? The hyperscalers are using Ethernet uh, very, very prol prolific prolifically. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of it <laughs> prolifically um, within their within their you know modern racks. Right. And um, so Ethernet's playing a really important role, not only in the, you know, the traditional network, but also with the hyperscalers. And what I mean, we're coming up on sort of hundred being kind of, you know, standardish for higher end stuff. But what what I mean, I guess obviously 25 and, and 40 are still, you know, kind of at the more mainstream or SMB range. But. Do you see um, the need to, to start looking at 200, 400 faster interfaces? What, what do you guys see there in the business? Our architects are looking at, you know, advancing beyond 100. And, you know, we do believe that there, there, are, there will be needs for that in the future. Okay, but, well look, I mean, this is a great conversation. The, the fact that you guys touch all these different markets, I think puts you in an Inter interesting position to, to talk about, especially on the storage side, what's going on. Um, because, you know, when you, when I do this with the vendors, you know, they've got a very specific message mm -hmm. that they want to get out, depending on who it is. You know, Seagate's heavy on actuators, WD's heavy on, on uh, capacity and SMR gains and whatever. Um, but the perspective is, is great. Uh, you know, really appreciate you, you being here. Uh, if I want, if people want to learn more about Broadcom's involvement in this stuff, uh, send them to the website. Where where should they go? www.broadcom.com is a great resource, um, or contact uh, your your local sales representative. All right, thanks for doing this. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>